0: I'm Brian. I'm Joe. <laughs> Let's, Let's start, start the show. <gasps> that's that's the best our listeners are going to get.
1: Uh, nicely done, Brian. Oh, it came on again just as you turned it. Just down. Just as I turned it down. That that cool fighting. We would have to delete. We're just going to have to not have anything
0: besides our intro. The funny thing is, is we're starting advertising on the podcast here in the next few episodes, and so that's going to be a problem. So it's yeah, I, well, we might have to get get a hold of Road. And get a new. You're good. Bring it on in. Bring it
1: on in. You're not going to interrupt us. We're getting us. Our, our
0: honey lattes a, from Albanco. We're in a, back in Albanco again. And they're you. beautiful. It's
1: right. impossible to interrupt us with this joyous occasion. Mm. And that. Um,
0: what is that noise?
1: I'd say it was like a, a, um, a drill, p- chainsaw,
0: bandsaw.
1: Something like something air powered, like a socket thing, like someone trying to get off a. Like in it, like a a big rig tire, but the bolt is stuck.
0: Yeah,
2: it's oh. a, we're in the pit crew in NASCAR. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, s- the Daytona Five Hundred just happened.
1: Is it the jaws of life? Is what I'm hearing. Just like the.
0: the s- and it was. It it never happened.
1: So there's a guy working over there.
0: But it didn't happen before we hit record.
1: Oh, that's true. So there was as no. As soon warning. as we
0: hit record, mm. we now have amazingness going on. Th- so this is just a battle, and we're th- gonna win.
1: Well, I feel like it could be partially my fault. Like I,
2: they might be grinding coffee. Do they grind and roast coffee here?
0: They do. Yeah, yeah. That right there, that blue teal, that's the roaster. And so, so we actually have a signature coffee that he created for us. Really? That's that's a podcast coffee. Right on. Dude. Yeah, well, I'll show it to you. I, I think I have. No, I have I have one in there. Wait, I'll make sure get to buy some there. before I head out. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 And okay. so, so anyway, for you, for you listeners, this is like episode I don't know sixty five.
1: Holy, it, there's we've lost count yeah. because there's so many.
0: Sixty five.
1: Welcome, listener, um, from all over the world, trying we're, trying to figure out what the heck's happening in Montana. We're working, basically. Yeah, we're working. We don't stop we're, to do podcasts. We we're don't cut, stop work
0: cutting wood at. Neither is that guy. He, he ain't stopping. Yeah, no. podcasts. it's zero degrees outside, and this guy's you know cutting yeah. wood.
1: This guy knew <laughs> that I was going to come over to him and uh, and already say, "Hey, don't stop what you're doing, just because we're podcasting over here. This yeah. is Montana." No, it's the aesthetics. Yeah, we get we get working. Okay? Yeah, and we want people to know that that's what's happening here. All the time, someone is chopping woods in the snow with yep. a, with a chainsaw.
0: That's a true fact. All the time, the facts are true. Mm-hmm. It's been um, what is what is it called on on social media? The fact checkers.
1: The fact wow. checkers yeah, checkers. They
0: they checked that fact and it is. It's proven. It is proven.
1: Mm. And when you see them I don't know if it's like your vision just like not being able to like process the majesty but you'll see it in slow motion. Okay, I don't know if it's actually happening or like I said it's it's just a brain trick. Like you just see it and can't process. Oh my gosh is that really happening? And you just see it in slow motion like the commercials. Mm -hmm. It's true. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Well well, we have a um, we have a very special guest who is um, no stranger to work, okay? I mean, he's not even from Montana. Originally from Minneapolis, That's I just right. learned. Travis Typole. And um, welcome, Travis.
2: Thank you, I appreciate it, Joe.
1: Thanks for coming out, and thanks for uh, trying out this podcast thing with us. It's a little, you told me that you only have been listening to podcasts maybe three to six months ago or, or something like that. You just yeah. got into them.
0: D- your first podcast right here. It is. This is the the debut. Yeah, it is. I All hope right. it's not
2: the last either, but it's the first. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, it's going to be so the last... you'll never forget it,
1: guys. It's going to be the last best one you're ever on, I'll tell you that much. i going to turn you up. You got to get into that mic a little bit, my friend. You got to almost like... Un- you would not comfortably talk to someone this close, right?
0: <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. Mm-mm. I wouldn't. Yeah, we like... Especially okay. over the last two years. It's, you're this close to somebody, and it's... Uh, it's dangerous. Yeah. You're going to get the COVID.
1: Mm, or something. Yeah. Anything. You're going to get some sort of funk on you. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right, let's, man. Let's, let's try to focus here. You think Sorry. we can do it? It's yeah. really hard with that wood being cut. It's distracting. Let me just give. Um, it's okay.
1: I'm going to, like. Become. I'm gonna like invoke, like Mr. Miyagi calmness, Zen, and then also Jean Claude Van Damme doing the splits between two chairs. Yes,
0: Wusa. Yeah, and I I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast. I started doing jujitsu since we had um, Preston and John on. Um, It's only twice a week right now because we have the trivia night on Tuesday nights, and that would also be a two hour class I would do. Uh But on Thursdays and Fridays, I'm going to jujitsu. And so we're going to take this podcast and put it in an arm bar, right? That's right. Yeah. That's cool, man.
1: I mean, if you're wondering, yes, uh, Montanans randomly just trained to fight and kill people. So um, that's. Well,
2: Preston's the guy to do it. That's right. Preston. He's the one to show you.
1: He will. He'll show you exactly how. Did you guys
2: hear about that story with Preston, what, two years ago? How he. Save that lady's purse. Yes, from we being stolen we talked about
0: it on like episode twelve or something on here because he was on. He's been yeah. on twice. Yeah, and it's uh, one of the first yeah, and, and some lady did, or uh, some guy came in and stole a purse. Yeah, when they were in the old location upstairs in the mall. Now they're downstairs, but in the upstairs. Oh, he location. finally moved. Yeah, yeah, he's Good downstairs now. It's a really nice place, and that's what mm-hmm. I was going to say is having him on the podcast and never actually like seeing one of his classes. And the only other interaction I've had with Preston outside of being on the podcast is seeing him at open mic at Empty Pints. Right. Mm -hmm. Seeing him in front, especially like right when uh, the adult class starts, right before that is like the cutest kids you've ever seen. I don't know what age group it is, like maybe six to 12 or something. Mm -hmm. And they all just pile on him. Like he is just like the nicest, sweetest instructor you've ever seen. And they look up to him. Mm -hmm. And then when he's instructing us, John, who we've had on, like, he's always right there with him as, like, the, the bad guy, right? So there's, oh, like, a good guy, bad guy. We're learning the good guy moves, how mm-hmm. to stop something or how to break something. Mm-hmm. He's a great instructor. Cool. But also, if you noticed, when, when he was on the podcast, he elaborates everything, right? Oh, yeah. Like, there's always, like, a, oh, it's kind of like fishing. Right, like like for, or it's, it's like making ice cream from scratch, right? Like he always has that kind of like.
2: He has um, a metaphor. He has a
0: metaphor. I couldn't think of that word. Uh, a metaphor for everything, including like arm bars. And so it's really funny.
2: <laughs> he's a smart man. I've had some deep conversations with him at the bar and uh, he knows his stuff. He's very philosophical and mm. he's super He's a good man. He's, yeah. a, he's a good guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I enjoy Preston. It's What's fun. It? And I think him and I are going to take a trip. There's a, there's a class down in Bozeman where one of the... So the Gracies invented Jujitsu essentially. Right. Yes. That, that last name, Gracie, mm-hmm. if you hear that. And, and one of the Gracies has a dojo in Bozeman. Kay. So I think Preston and I are going to go down there and... I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do as a white belt, right? Yeah. But I can watch. You know what you should do?
1: You should go in there um, for content's sake, right? Mm-hmm. I think you should go in there and like challenge... Like the <laughs> toughest fighter to like a sparring match, <laughs> and just let him know before that happens that you are the master of some secret mind karate, right? Where you um, you can just like flick your finger in his direction, and then he would fall down, you know. And then you would have Preston then you know cuz he's an instructor right mm-hmm. he would then demonstrate just like john and you would be like watch this and he would do it and then he would have to throw himself on the mat right right and then you would uh, i mean you would obviously get handled by whatever you'd person that was because but that that would be then the perfect video i think oh, yeah get, some you, of my you favorite go viral, videos Brian. some of my favorite videos are those fake kung fu masters like oh,
2: 100% there's like so many of them there's like <laughs> <laughs> And the lips don't match up with the words. And,
1: mm, and they're like they're usually like white guys with uh, ponytails. You know what I mean? And they they look like they could not fight at all. Doesn't yeah, they're and slightly, slightly mm. overweight. So he fits in perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Slightly overweight, mm-hmm. and they're like, <laughs> I don't even have to touch you to knock you over. And then they have like these actors, they like, like run up and they're like, Yah! and they, and they c- make noises and yes. stuff, and the people fall over. Yeah, and then they oh, almost so fall silly. over
1: while they're like trying to do their fake kick, they're like all off balance or whatever, and yeah. still it'll just smash their opponent. Oh, it's my favorite. It's the worst. I don't know why I enjoy watching that, but. <laughs>
0: So so we toyed with the idea of asking some random questions to Travis. Is that something you want to do?
1: Let's do it, because we know very little.
0: Yeah. And so, well, we could also start with him just, like, doing an introduction. Okay. Right? Like... So you we've 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 only said your name and that originally from Minneapolis, correct? And whenever I hear that, I, I like to tell people my dad lives in Savage. Okay, you right know where Savage yeah, is yeah. that? 100%, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. I've been there a couple times. There's a sushi place there. Is there? Yeah, that has like all you can eat sushi on like Thursday nights. And That's it, not a bad thing. Dude, it is. It's it good, is though? The best. It was so good. Anyway, okay, so, so maybe let's just start there. Let's say yeah. you, you were born in Minneapolis. What happened after that?
2: Well, I was born in Roseville. So if you take the twin cities, you got St. Paul 10 miles away from Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was born smack dab in the middle. Mm. Went to school, high school, graduated, mm-hmm. um, lived the normal Midwestern suburbia life. And my childhood was great. My parents did a great job, and family was fun, and Mm -hmm. Minneapolis has so many good things to offer as far as food, careers, Mm -hmm. the scenery. I mean, the lakes in Minnesota are unreal. So I grew up fishing. My parents had a cabin in Wisconsin, so we'd bounce back and forth. Mm -hmm. And we uh, had the best life we could growing up, and my parents did a great job, and we had a lot of fun, and Mm -hmm. my parents were always big supporters of do what you want, do what makes you happy, Mm -hmm. right? They never pushed on me, hey, you got to be a doctor, you got to be a dentist, uh, none of that. So they gave me the power to do what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and do what made me happy. So growing up finding a career I was very it was very important to me to find something that I enjoyed. Okay. So I was in high school mm-hmm. and I was taking home ec cooking class and I I realized I liked it. I you made, I'm not sure why. You made that quiche just right. Oh, the quiches. oh man. How did that even happen? So I, I got into cooking and mm, I cool. actually took Home act and cooking, two or three times just for fun.
1: Just in high school, you're like, oh man, I didn't really, even get I any credit really for really like this. Yeah.
2: Whoa. Yeah. Cool. Because I wasn't artistic, okay. right? Like I have artistic traits, but mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily good at it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily good at sports, although I played all of them. Okay. Um, just didn't ever excel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fishing and cooking growing up, and uh, had a great time doing hey. it. So it was probably tenth grade. I was probably sixteen. And I realized I want to go to culinary school. Dang, that is early. H- and how old are you now? I'm 31. 31.
1: Okay. Yeah. So oh, you don't
2: look it. That's good. You don't look it.
0: I look younger? older. No, you look younger than
2: that. You look <laughs> younger than that. I appreciate that.
1: Brian. I was telling Brian like
2: I don't know, mid late 20s. I yeah, think? Yeah, that's
0: that's what you said. And so when I but saw I you, know. I'm like, oh yeah, definitely 27. No, I was 31, that was almost
2: 32 in June actually. Mm. Yeah. You know, if I had my big beard still, you'd probably think I am a little older. Oh yeah, you did have a pretty Remember impressive that, Joe? one. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was big, and you didn't even see the big one. When I lived in Tennessee, it was probably 12 inches long. Ooh. Just massive, big, burly Whoa. beard.
1: Competition oh. beard, huh?
2: <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. If I chop I rem- it off. I remember
1: having a beard, and you're right. It's like having another pet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs>
1: you have to we walk We get all the
2: stragglers, it. right? So the stragglers come off the side, and it doesn't look groomed. And you can put so much wax in it, and it don't matter. It's so
0: weird. If, if I chop you guys, it off. You guys have actually like good facial hair. Mm-hmm. Mine is um, Joe Dirt. A yeah, little right. bit. You got you got some balding like right here. It's, it's, it's <laughs> not even <laughs> balding. It's grown never in. grown there, right? <laughs> like, it's just like, it's, it's horrible. But
2: don't get me wrong. I got some issues. I can't grow a nice clean line on my beard, which mm. bothers
0: the hell out of me. Yeah.
1: Uh, um, Do people grow the clean line? I thought they shaved it in. I have to shave it in.
0: You got to like, blend it. Like Yeah, like trim it in. Yeah. 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 yeah my, uh,
1: if I, you I, grow a, just a perfectly straight line, I think you should be president. <laughs> you know? Like, that's just, your <laughs> genes are better than most people's jeans. <laughs> <genes. laughs> <laughs> like okay. wait 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 before we swear this guy into office let's let him grow his beard let's call it the six-week beard test to see where that that cheek lies 100%. on the line oh right. man and like uh-oh that looks a little messy we can't have this guy leading the country gonna have- <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be some in flaw that we haven't caught in somewhere in his jeans
2: and it all shows in your beard
1: right i don't know why there but i feel like it, someone should be like calling me right now to, to, to figure out how to get that thing into law. You know, I just feel <laughs> like if you're going to push for something, just beard inequality, like beard competition yep. should be where. If you're going
2: to have a beard, it better be well-kept. Yeah, man.
1: Because that's just not you f- being able to fake it. No. That's just who you are. You know, it's a statement your for be- sure. Your beard is who you are
2: here in this state. I remember telling my wife that, and uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. She said no. But she's <laughs> like, no, it's not. There's,
0: but there's a comeback of the like mustache only. Can't do it. The mustache only. Yeah, it's like it's the, coming back, but I can't do it. The handlebar. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I had this idea because this is like the longest I've had my hair in a couple years. I did have it like down to my shoulders, but it's. It's kind of long. It's kind of long. I usually do like a kind of military cut. I
1: was going to say, like, what is long to you?
0: Yeah, this, Jeez. Is, this, is, this is as long as it's been in a couple of years. Okay, uh, so Since okay. I had it, like, again, down to my shoulders. Um, mm-hmm. I had to try to do the man bun once. Okay. Hated How'd that go? It. You had yeah. a man bun? Yeah. yeah. Can't even picture it. Yeah. He's had, got pictures somewhere. A I also was 100 pounds bigger. With the man bun, with the man bun, I <laughs> oh. could probably pull it off a little bit better now. But I, I looked like the guy doing the fake jujitsu stuff. Like for sure. I legit look like him. Okay. Um. And wow. So anyway, I think, I, I what I wanted to do for the trivia night was just do the mustache that comes down, right? Like the <laughs> Fu Manchu, and then just. Like almost a mullet, right? It's not long enough to do it, but just shave my sides, not the back or the top. So t-
1: oh, so you're talking? Uh, you want the Hulk Hogan sort of mustache, brother? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and but it's,
0: it's making a comeback. I, and so the the problem is, is that uh, Brooks, the guy that runs the the gym, Volta, mm-hmm. he's been on the podcast. Yeah, he does the mustache and actually pulls it off. Oh and yeah. So if I do the mustache, I have to go to the gym, and it'll look like you're copying. I'm him. copying him. And I just—you got to be careful. That's I the just problem. Can't, I can't,
1: and so I can't. It's a problem with that gym culture, man. There's a lot of pressure to not be,
0: you know, copying other people's mustaches, right? <laughs> and I'm gonna—I'm gonna pause again, even though i, I know we just want to ignore it. If you are still listening, you are a trooper. Even though we're only 16 minutes in, this—this this wood chopping stuff. I don't know how—I don't know how bad it's coming through when we listen back. It's coming through a bit. But it is just <laughs> killing me. But we're, we're, we're being troopers. We're going through. And I just wanted to pause and say thank you.
1: Hey, thanks, man. And
0: maybe maybe you took a little Absolute Aid for focus.
1: Oh, you know what we might be able to do? <laughs> What's that? Um, oh, and that's a good point about Absolute Aid. Because that one time I took it, I was, <laughs> I was like, this might be working.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it
1: tastes a little interesting, but it might be working, bro. So. And that was
0: just a cheesy plug. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, down in the, look down in the show notes. You can uh, go to Absolute Aid and get 10% off. We can pause,
1: remember, by pushing and holding record for more than two seconds, I believe. So if you want to, like, pause and stretch and then maybe give this guy a chance to um, finish his I don't, chainsaw I don't, sculpture. It, it Whatever feels.
2: he's sanding is big.
1: Yeah, it's a big thing. I'm envisioning, like, one of those. He's, <laughs> he's like, carving a full-scale bear out of a tree trunk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what's happening.
1: And he's not going to be done for like, that's like a big job. You ever seen one of those guys do that? Oh yeah, that's nuts. no. It's like all day.
0: Okay, so if we're <laughs> going to pause, I want to do it after we finish your story. Okay. We left so, off on 16 school, years
1: old. High school. Sounds about right. 16 year old. And you were like, I'm doing culinary school. I,
0: I like, yeah. I like home ec. What happened there? Yeah, what do well, we What see? happened next?
2: I made the decision to go to culinary school. And where'd you go? I went to Le Cordon Bleu in Minneapolis.
1: Oh, there's one right there. Cool.
2: Yep. Yep. Okay. And uh, so I, I finished high school. I worked in restaurants my entire high school career. And mm-hmm. wait, oh, they, 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 was
0: any of it fast food? No. Okay. I've oh, never, cool.
2: to this date, worked in fast food. Yeah. Okay. Don't. Don't. That was ever. always kind of my, my rule. Because I, I took it seriously. Gotcha. I was I was a career professional cook. Mm-hmm. Um, never a chef at that point, and I, I take that word chef um, not lightly. Okay. You really have to earn that. So when everybody's like, "Oh, you're a great chef." Um, Are you though? Are you really a chef or are you just a cook?
1: Whoa, whoa, hold on. Yeah. Even even
2: my wife and I love her to death, you know, I I remember times with my parents. You know, my husband's a chef. It's like at this point in life, no, no I'm not. I'm not a chef. Uh, I'm just a professional line cook and I take it seriously and I love it. Mm -hmm. Um so yes, fast forward into my high school career not being good at sports, not being musically talented, not being an artist. I didn't want to be a doctor, didn't want to do long schooling, terrible at math, terrible in school and My parents were like, hey, just get Cs and Ds, just get your diploma, Mm -hmm. graduate, and move on. Um, So I did that, and luckily you didn't need any kind of GPA, you didn't need any prerequisites to go to culinary school, Mm -hmm. and uh, so I didn't fully take that and and fail high school. I did graduate, Um, I think I needed 55 credits, and I graduated with 55 credits. Mm -hmm. So I missed my summer, my senior year, and I went directly to culinary school and it was a 15-month program you get an associate's degree so i, I don't have a, a certificate it's an actual associate's degree and I, I i respect that yeah we took our generals we took english class math class and culinary school is great I've never been in the military but culinary school to me is very much like being in the military 100 mm. percent you know you walk into class you're in your chef whites you got your mm. hat your cravat if you don't know what a cravat is it's it's like what the cowboys wear in montana it's made out of silk goes around your neck it prevents sweat oh you kind of tie it like a tie and it's more of a classic french cooking
1: attire is it right? red is it red
2: no they were white everything was white oh. your pants were black checkered fire retardant pants and then everything else is white
1: okay i'm getting this mental picture
2: but you'd walk into class there'd be 30 people and uh-huh. y'all had to show them your fingernails oh, you had to really? have matching black socks you had that to be is... iron clean crisp cut shaved if you had any kind of fuzz on your face, they would give you a dry razor and you had to go to the bathroom and shave it with dry razor dry. soap.
1: that is kind of
2: like the military. Okay. It was. And if you didn't, you lost your professional points <gasps> and that's part of passing the class, right? Each class I think was like six weeks. Okay. So amongst that, you know, you, you have all your generals mm-hmm. and then you start out with nutrition, which is kind of a funny class to start out in culinary school is nutrition mm-hmm. because they don't use salt. They don't use butter. They don't use fats. Um, Everything's quote unquote healthy and in my opinion, food can be done well, correct, and be done healthy. But salt and butter are king. Yeah. 100 percent Yeah. So to start culinary school with not using salt and using alternatives and butter, I was like, this is fun. This is cool. And you know, we all made it through. And Mm -hmm. then you go on to butchery and garmanger and all sorts of different What's Garmanger? Garmanger is the art of the cold kitchen. So it's, it's vinaigrettes, it's salads, it's terrines, it's curing meat, making prosciutto, making hams. Um, really, it's, it's cold That's things. a ton of stuff. It's a lot. Okay, sorry. It's a That's lot. A cool it word. really is. It's fun. <laughs> Garmanger. It's spelled G-A-R-D-E-M-A-N-G-E-R. Gareau de manger. Most things in culinary school are French. We. <clears throat> oui. Yeah, we. Oui, right? La uh, cordon bleu. Le cordon bleu.
1: That's cool. But it was okay. fun. It was a lot of fun. Tell me more. So um, you, you excelled or were 100%. you C's and D's in this school? I,
2: well, I went into culinary school knowing what the industry was about.
1: Because you were already working there in high I school? I was already
2: working there. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I took it with passion. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people in my class, you know, my, let's say my class was 60 people. Okay. By the time we graduated, there was maybe 10.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: People drop like flies. And this is part of the reason why La Cordon Bleu specifically has so many lawsuits against them Whoa! is because they, hey, you're going to graduate culinary school. You're going to be making $80,000 a year. You're going to be a a head chef of some huge resort, some nice restaurant in New York City. And we're going to train you to be that. Well, that's not Mm. the reality. That's not the nature of the beast. Right. Uh, You go to culinary school and when you graduate culinary school, your degree means nothing.
1: Right. It means
2: zero. Mm -hmm. And I fully regret going to culinary school because what you learn in culinary school Mm -hmm. You can learn out in the field.
1: Yeah. You know, I've heard that. My uncle was a chef. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe a cook. In, maybe. Who knows? In, uh, because he worked his way up from a busboy at um, the Metropolitan Grill in Seattle, which is kind of well-known, I guess, in that area. And he got up to executive, the, the job title of executive chef. For sure. Um, and he said the same thing. He was like, you know, I just, I was working at a good place as a bus boy. I was working at a really nice restaurant yep. and the chef was very knowledgeable and I worked hard and he rewarded hard work. And so here That's I am.
2: That's all it is. So if, if you're a hard Paul, worker, school, you, you learn how to make mayo, vinaigrette, mm-hmm. terrines, um, you learn how to butcher animals, hmm. um, you kind of learn flavor profiles, but then again, everybody's palate's different, right? So how do you teach somebody a flavor profile when palates don't match up?
1: Yeah, how do you do that? And then how do you keep how do you keep that standard because you're what you're describing is a super high standard, you know? And what, Always. and Le Cordon Bleu is probably like, well, that's the standard because mm-hmm. this is it what it is. It was the takes. industry standard for right. sure, yeah. And that's what I think the military does and how you can relate that to like, well, you know, yeah, this is mean to yell at them in their face, but this is the standard. Yeah. yeah to train someone to be well, able to go to, to, to war. Well, nobody likes get yelled at.
2: No one likes that. So if you get yelled at mm-hmm. in a respectful or not, disrespectful, in not respectful way, mm-hmm. you're not gonna do that again.
1: Yeah, you notice how to like, you, you just, you're like, I'm not gonna, yeah. And you, you get trained really quickly. Yes. You know, instead of like a year to learn this thing, you can learn it in like two weeks. Right. If you're getting screamed at in the face, you
2: well, don't. We got a two year degree and I was only in school for 12 months. Yeah. So it was seven o'clock in the morning till four mm. o'clock in the afternoon, every single day.
1: Okay, and so now fast forward a little bit and let me know if we need to go back. Because my question is, how does that mentality, knowing that that is what it takes and that's the industry standard, how do, how does that kind of butt up against like th- what what workers of today are are telling you they're going to offer you? You know, like, hey, I know that this is the standard, but here's what I'm going to offer you for what pay you're going to offer me. Because I've decided that, well, I'm going to, I, I want to enjoy my life this way and, and you're not going to tell me. So how? Ha-
2: I think part of that comes well. Yeah, that's a that's a huge fast.
1: Like, have you? Yeah, have you run into that? And what? Like,
2: absolutely, every single day in the industry. Mm-hmm. And. um
1: Cause like, do you like are in your heart, are you sort of like, you agree with, well, that's the standard of the industry. That's how you make good food. That's Mm -hmm. how you do a successful business. Or are you like, eh, that's too passe. That's too hard. No, you
2: need those. You need those standards to be successful. And if you don't have those standards and you don't need those standards from culinary school mm -hmm, per se. Right. Right. Um, You need those standards from within.
1: It's the mentality. You're like, that is the mentality to be that chef or get that success in this industry. You
2: have to work for it. Okay. Nothing in the industry is given to you.
1: Okay, so I, thought, I feel like I was fast-forwarding a super ton That's a about. huge jump, Joe. So let's keep just going on with your timeline. Okay, we'll so culinary
2: school had fun, mm-hmm. uh, which culinary school is kind of funny because all it was was hacky sack mm-hmm. and smoke breaks, right? So yeah. along with the industry mm-hmm. requirements, right? Be a hard worker, be dedicated, be reliable, have your skill set and your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Every half hour, the class would break for 15 minutes. And we'd all go outside and we'd smoke cigarettes. We'd play hacky sack for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we'd go back in and go right back to it. Mm-hmm. That's, we played hacky sack 30 times a day in culinary school. And let me tell you, we get, we get good at it. Wow.
0: For sure. There's, yeah, there's no uh, kitchen without like a smoking cook. No, Yeah. it doesn't happen. Which is crazy because actually, smoking diminishes your taste buds and yeah, smell. 100%. Mm-hmm. So does booze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's, like, it's just crazy that
2: like all, all chefs... Smoke. Mm-hmm. Yep. No matter if the, te- the, the <laughs> chef or the teacher was in the middle of a lecture or a, a program, mm-hmm. half hour, go outside, smoke.
0: Oh, that is crazy.
1: It's like an acknowledged thing. Like we know that you're all smokers and we know that if you weren't before, you are, now. You are I was going to say, that
0: was how the military was, yep. was like, I, I went in not, not using too much nicotine mm-hmm. to too much Nicotine absolutely mm-hmm. and and so yeah, it would seem like <laughs> yeah. um, I have I have a buddy that we we would send people on smoke breaks I did work fast food I mm-hmm. worked at Burger King and we'd we'd let people go have smoke breaks when they get it irritable and my buddy didn't smoke and he's like I'm gonna pick up smoking
2: hmm just to get a break they was extra, always a like, firm believer like if you aren't a smoker you still get a smoke break It's only fair.
0: It's only fair. It's
2: only Do fair. you still smoke? No, I haven't had a cigarette and I'd say at this point maybe nine months I'm not right. nicotine-free, oh, nice but I don't smoke. Right. So I use right. the Zen pouches, and they work wonders for me. Zen pouches? Yeah. Okay. The, they really work. Yeah, the Zen pouches are pretty magical. They are. Yeah. I don't even care about cigarettes anymore. They're disgusting. Mm-hmm. I have no urge. My and when, and when you, yeah, you, you smell cigarettes, cool. you're just like,
0: gross. how did I do this for mm-hmm. so many years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh.
2: Well, that was just kind of how I grew up. You know, smoking was a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My parents smoked. And nothing against them, but, yep. you know, they smoked, and my sister smoked, and mm-hmm. I smoked, and... Go to culinary school, they let you smoke, you go to the industry and your daily job, they mm-hmm. let you smoke, and mm-hmm. it just never never went away. Right? So
1: then, uh, what was your career path that got you here once you got out of, out of school?
2: So well, I went, to, I went to culinary school, graduated, mm-hmm. um, and part of the, the class, or the degree, was you had to go on a three month externship, or mm-hmm. internship. Cool. Right. So you could get an internship at Applebee's, Red Lobster, it, it didn't matter. Okay. Um, but if you were serious, you'd pick a, a higher end restaurant. Mm-hmm. So you can talk to the chefs, see if they want to bring you on board, and you're free labor for three months. So I messaged oh a bunch of restaurants in California and New York. Um, and we can get into what a Michelin star is. Um, but in America, Michelin stars are only given to <coughs> Chicago, New York, and California. And I shouldn't say it's a sh- Chicago, Illinois. Wow, right? And that's the only place in America that offers Michelin stars, from what I know. It might have mm-hmm. progressed into something different nowadays, but when I was in culinary school, that was it. They're all over Europe, but Michelin stars are it was like Yelp Before Yelp was a thing. Yeah, yeah So you would get a paperback book like the yellow pages Uh and one Michelin star meant um, It's worth going to Mm -hmm. two Michelin stars was Make a trip out of it Mm -hmm. and three Michelin stars was it's a destination Mm -hmm. and You have to earn these stars as a chef or the owner of the business and it's not easy, man there's a bunch in California, um, there's a uh-huh. bunch in New York, and there's a bunch in Chicago, but there's, I would say, and this is a, an educated guess, but maybe like 150, 250 restaurants in North America that have Michelin stars. That's and cool. that was my goal, right? Uh-huh. So one of the restaurants that I really wanted to work in was uh, 11 Madison Park out in New York. Okay. So I matched them. They never got back to me. Um, messaged a handful in. San Francisco, because that's kind of the hub for food. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the chefs called me back when I was I was line cook at a breakfast joint. And I get the San Francisco number, so I step out and I, I answer it, and I can't even understand him. He's uh-huh. from Lyon, France. Ugh. Um, his name was Roland Passeau, and uh-huh. he, he owned a restaurant with his brother called La Folie, uh-huh. And um, classic French cuisine. Duck, foie gras, uh-huh. um, caviar, escargot, everything. Oh. Right, you go there for a meal, you're spending two, 300 bucks a person, 100%. And that's just a person. But you get 12, 13 courses and you get food that you'll never have in your life. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, that's crazy. 12 or
0: 13 courses is more than I eat in a day.
2: Seriously. There are small portions. Each right, right, plate's yeah. art, right? Yeah. Um, yep. It's very intricate and delicate and there's so many steps that go to building these and your average person is not going to spend that kind of money mm-hmm. on food unless you can fully appreciate it, right? Yeah. So I, he called me and he's like, hey, you wanna go do a stage? Come out and work for a couple of days and we'll see if we wanna bring you on board. What's a stage? A stage is basically a working interview. Oh, gotcha, okay. And you go out, they say yay or nay. Mm-hmm. And for me, they said yay. And hey. flew out to San Francisco, worked for probably 30 hours and three days, two days maybe, How's that? and uh, uh-huh. didn't know anybody. Uh-huh. City that I didn't know anything about. I was eighteen, uh-huh.
0: not getting paid either. So not how are you paid. like affording like a place to stay?
2: Student loans. Yeah. Ah, as part yeah. of the still paying loans. them off now. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so I took out some extra money and flew out, and kind of took my my own leap of faith as a an eighteen year old kid mm-hmm. wanting to take this seriously. And oh yeah, so I I actually moved out to San Francisco and lived out there by myself for let's say four or five months. I don't remember how long it was. Mm-hmm. Um, worked for free for four or five months lived out the student loans and rented a fully furnished apartment and took out a lot of money in student loans Mm -hmm. I was gonna
0: say San Francisco fully furnished apartment Oh, I think my rent was like 19 19 uh, I was gonna say two grand it sounds like like you're mm. about two
2: grand we're on top of Nob Hill so I mean me not knowing anything about (laughs) San Francisco there's different districts right and I accidentally choose the most expensive district, yeah. right? But all my neighbors were nice. It yeah. was nice houses. And, yeah. and then there's me, right? Yeah. But at least I didn't have to do with any, any hoodlums, any, any homeless people bashing into my house. And mm. it was fun. It was lonely. It mm-hmm. was lonely. I'm not going to lie. The reason I moved back was I was lonely, right? You're there for three, four, five months. Yeah. You don't know anybody. You don't have enough time in your free time to, to make friends. The people you work with. You know, it's very little conversation, right? Oh yeah, gotcha. It's it, this is serious business. Like so head We go to work, no from mistakes. Eight o'clock in the morning, we probably leave at ten or eleven o'clock at night, and service was only from five to ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so every day you're prepping from scratch. You don't have any carryover. Everything's fresh. Oh, you go boy. to the farmers market, you get all your vegetables, and you bring it back and you prep it, and you make it perfect. And if it's not perfect, you piss off the wrong people.
1: Mm. Right, like you don't want to get yelled at by a French person.
0: No, it's scary.
2: I never did. Uh, I saw it though. Which is supposed oh. to be
0: like a romantic language, but when a French person is speaking broken English, yelling at you, they're so mean. It's terrifying. not romantic. It's terrifying. <laughs> it, like Spits romance flying, is the it's yeah, yeah, it's the last thing I think of.
2: Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I went out there and got my place situated, and I flew in probably like two o'clock in the afternoon and got situated, and I went to work the next day. Jeez, and I think I only had Sundays off. Right. So Mm -hmm. there was three externs and there was probably eight to ten stages. Mm -hmm. And out of that kitchen, let's say there's 15 people in this teeny tiny kitchen. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't pass by anybody. You are stuck in your spot for the whole day. Whoa! (laughs) if you have to go take a leak in the bathroom or whatever it may be, you have to ask two people to to get out of the line so that you can walk out. Oh, my gosh. But there's only (laughs) three people getting paid. (laughs) <laughs> Out of all those 15 people, three people are getting paid mm-hmm. the executive chef, the sous chef, and the chef de cuisine.
1: The smartest people I've ever heard of. Like, how do we get so much free labor? Yeah. Brian, we're doing this all wrong. Anyways, yeah. go ahead.
2: Sorry. No, it's crazy. <laughs> so um, there was three of us, and my job for that period of time was to work the Amuse Bouche station, which is, I forgot exactly what Amuse Bouche stands for. No, I before. was going to get it an
0: Amuse Bouche massage.
2: Oh, that sounds weird. No, I just made that up. It (laughs) sounds like a massage that you would get. I'm
0: pretty sure (laughs) amuse-bouche
2: means gift from the kitchen. Mm. Right? So when you go to high-end kitchens and restaurants, you get a teeny tiny little morsel of something intricate, delicate, full of flavor. Mm -hmm. And that's it. But our restaurant, we had three of them. So you come in as a customer. You get your first, second, and third Uh amuse-bouche. And the first amuse-bouche was this nice little intricate egg. Right. So my day would start off with you'd get 100 eggs. You know, we had 45 covers in a night. That was a busy night. Imagine 45 people eating 12, 13 courses.
0: Oh yeah. Gosh, so f-
2: 45 people is an ass load of people okay. in a restaurant like that. Uh-huh. So we had this little mechanism that would basically, it was spring loaded with a round cylinder on it and a, a circular knife. And you'd get the egg and you would pick it up and you'd let the spring pull it down and it would snap the top of the egg.
1: Poke a little hole in it or
2: something? No, it'd be like a, an inch circle. You'd cut off the oh, top of the egg. Oh, okay. Right? Oh, it cuts off of the top. Of the yeah, okay. perfect line. Wow. And if it wasn't okay. perfect, it's from the trash. Okay. So you have this nice little egg. You'd snap the top off, uh-huh. you'd take it off, and then you'd put it in hot water. You do that 80 times. And then. 80 times, okay. okay. Or more, Sorry, I'm or less. I'm with I don't you. know. It was hours long of stuff. Okay. Of prep and, and work. And then once there was all snapped off, you'd go in and, and eggs have membranes on the inside. Mm-hmm. So you, with the hot water, it kind of releases from the shell. And you get your finger and you scrape off all of the white membrane. You even notice like, if you crack an egg, uh-huh. you kind of have that opaque membrane that's kind of hanging around still. Yeah, You'd have to scrape that out. By hand. By hand. <gasps> okay. And not to break the egg all at oh. the same time. Okay. Right? So let's say we needed 80 of them. You do all that. You're probably about an hour and a half in. And then you, you weren't allowed to make anything. Right? So, somebody else would make a puree of some sort, whether it's a celeriac root puree, a mushroom puree. Um, you'd fill the egg, the empty egg shell, with that puree. And then you had a big cambro container full of, of egg, white, and yolk. Mm-hmm. And you had to intricately pick out the yolk and don't break it. And then drop the egg yolk into the puree inside of the egg shell. Uh huh. <laughs> and then you had to kind of ghetto rig this like paper egg flat, like the flats that the eggs come on. You had to cut a circle of it, put it in a pot, fill oh. the pot so that the water had enough water to half submerge the egg. Uh-huh. And that was the first amuse-bouche, oh, right? So you'd have to drop the egg in there and let it cook enough to where the egg yolk was cooked, uh-huh. but not hard. Okay. So you have maybe like a 10, 15 second window before it's raw mm-hmm. right? and before it's... A hard-boiled egg. Overcooked. And then that wasn't going to fly, right? Right. So that was the first amuse-bouche. Throughout the night, when somebody sits down, the Uh. maitre d' would come back and say, hey, we got two top. Boom. You drop two eggs. Right then and there. Mm -hmm. And then two top, four top, eight top, ten top would come in. You drop all these eggs, and you had to time them out so you didn't overcook them, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't want the the French chef from Lyon yelling at you. Yeah. And uh, so we do that. And then the second amuse-bouche was salmon lollipops. So you, again couldn't really do anything intricately as a an intern. Yeah. So somebody else would cut the salmon for you. Okay. And they would make it almost paper thin. Let's let's say it's a quarter inch thick. And then you'd pound it out, lay it out in some saran wrap, and you would put this awesome Mars Capone cheese herb filling in it and you'd mm-hmm. roll it up like a lollipop, right? Mm-hmm. And you would torch on it, which is a a term? There's, there's so many terms. Like <laughs> if you if you were to lay out saran wrap in a square and put something, you can do with anything, right? Uh-huh. Um, so you put your meat down and you put uh, for what we were doing, we'd put the salmon down, we'd smear perfectly uh-huh. the marscapone filling, and you'd roll it up so it has a pinwheel look to it. Okay. And then you'd roll it up into the plastic wrap like a sushi roll would be, uh-huh. and then you'd get each ends and you'd roll it on the table like a rolling pin until it compressed the inside and made this nice, tight, air-free roll. Uh-huh. We'd freeze it, we'd put little lollipop sticks in it, and we'd slice it, and you had your little salmon lollipop. And people loved it. Wow. Right? So then you had yeah. to do the, the intramezzo, uh-huh. which was also... So intramezzo is like a, a palate cleanser.
0: It's the, it's the break you take during a uh, middle school play. Intermento? Also that. Also that. Hey. So you'd I have know, I made that, I made you know
2: there I think they're, that's they're, something though. <laughs> it, it's, it's, I'm like, sure it it's like it's like a break that you take. It has to be. That that's yeah. what it means more yeah. or less. It's a break, it's a palate cleanser, so you'd oh, you start off with cleanser. your mousse bouche right? Mm-hmm. You'd go from light to heavy, so you start with a, a salad, uh, wow. another salad, and uh-huh. then uh, another uh-huh. salad, right? <laughs> Whether it's a a melon salad, a tomato salad, whatever it may be, and you then you get into proteins, right? You start with fish, you go to duck, well, I don't know. you go to fish and then you go to chicken, and then you go to duck, and then you go to pork, then you go to veal, then you have a foie course, which foie gras is fat and duck liver, mm-hmm. super rich, banned in a lot of states in mm-hmm. North America. Mm-hmm. Um, they've gotten pretty ethical about it nowadays, but, and then you'd have an intramezzo, right? And we would make melon sorbets, kind of, or granites, so you'd make this awesome melon juice, and then you'd half freeze it, and you get a fork and you'd scrape it off, so you have like this nice, perfectly fluffy shaved ice Mm -hmm. And you put it on top of what we were doing most of the time was a cardamom yogurt Uh And it was on a spoon. Oh cardamom yogurt cardamom yogurt if you've never had it Do it. It's super good. Okay. It's a flavor profile that you can't relate to Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So we put the cardamom yogurt on a spoon with a piping bag. So it's perfect And then you put the the granite on top and send it out and that was your palate cleanser That was your break and then you'd get into beef, you'd get into more foie, more heavy, heavy dishes, and then you'd have like two or three desserts. Mm. Um, so you kind of, it's memorable, for sure. It really is. So that was my job for three months. And um, I remember loving it. I remember not having a problem working for free. I lived mm-hmm. the best life I could as an 18-year-old in San Francisco. So... And, uh,
1: <clears throat> and then after that, you you got out of that, lived a pretty cool life. It sounded like got some I had good a good training. Of fun. Yeah, right?
2: that was that was the base of it, and moved back to Minneapolis. Right. And my okay. buddy was opening up a Filipino restaurant. Okay. And um, if nobody's had Filipino food, it's some of the best food in the world. It so, is amazing. Uh, it
0: really is. Lumpias, chow Pao's panza pijon, and the mm-hmm. food's great. Uh, There's so many words on this podcast I don't know. Right, but but
1: in, <laughs> in and amongst all those words, my, my advice that I've given to many people is if any Filipino person at, says, hey, would you like to come to a backyard um, barbecue or cookout go. that my family is having, just go. They just, will
2: have lechon, which is go. roasted fried pork. And oh, yeah, just go. Lechon pork belly. Mm-hmm. It's so greasy. It makes your lips look like chapstick. It's natural chapstick. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, yeah. sorry. So
1: your friend is opening up this place. Filipino restaurant. Southeast back in your Asian hometown. Cuisine.
2: Minneapolis, correct. Minneapolis, okay. Um, and I actually can't say he was my friend at that point because I didn't know him. So oh. I took an opportunity. Oh, gotcha. Moved back. Saw. And uh, they actually offered me a job in San Francisco. Okay. And you, and you were like, maybe I thought about it. I was lonely. And I said no.
1: Like, can you be my friend maybe? Well, the
2: sous chef called me an actual idiot. Hey, okay. I was 18 years old. He offered me a job in, I wouldn't say it's one of the best restaurants in San Francisco because there was a lot of competition, mm-hmm. but top 50 out of 3,000 oh, gotcha. restaurants. That's For pretty sure. good.
1: That's pretty good. As a kid. But then you were called an idiot.
2: Yeah. Or no, he was American. Sushi oh. was American. What? Yeah. yeah it's kind of weird dynamic. I can't take that. I don't know. <laughs> so I said, no, thanks, though. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. I left, went back to Minneapolis, opened up that restaurant with my buddy, and uh, learned about Filipino food mm-hmm. and blew my mind. Okay. I was, I was the white guy in a Filipino kitchen cool. and uh, it was great. Unfortunately, the Filipino food didn't really take off in Minneapolis
1: mm.
2: like, I, like he thought it would. So we were there for maybe about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day the owner, it was the owner that didn't have any say, he just had money. Okay. And one day he changed the locks. Oh, whoa. <laughs> and locked the door and the executive chef didn't even know, Sue chef didn't even know we go to work one day and doors are locked. He's like, Subo's done. Okay. Well, and we had one of our, you know, conversation in the back on a milk crate in the alley, uh-huh. smoking cigarettes, trying to figure out what the hell's going on uh-huh. and uh, realized that that was the case. Mm-hmm. So they had their emotional connection to it because they were Filipino.
1: Mm-hmm. I had
2: an emotional connection to it because it was the first real restaurant that I was getting paid to work in. Right. But I didn't have that cultural feel to it because mm-hmm. I wasn't Filipino. I, j- I just enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, I actually went to Hot Dish. Which Landon Schofield was the executive chef in, and he was like 22, 23 at the time, I think.
1: Landon Schofield. So he was young. Okay. And I'm, I'm not familiar with this
2: person. No, you shouldn't be. Okay. Um, Minneapolis, you probably know who he is. Okay.
1: So a known uh, chef in
2: Minneapolis. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Got but mm. I wouldn't say nationwide. Mm-hmm. Um, worked there for a long time probably a year and a half, two years. Hot dish. Hot dish. H A U T E. Mm. Dish. Like hot haute cuisine. Haughty. Or hot couture. <laughs> okay. Um, and it was fancy. It was comfort food. It was fancy. It was huge portions, big raw cuts of meat. And uh, we were jamming for, for years. Okay, um, They're not open anymore. I think there was issues with who ran the business
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: from what I heard after I left. But I uh, did a bunch. And I staged in between A and B. So I worked for free for a day in restaurants. So I had two days off. I'd go work in a restaurant for free just to learn just to learn just to learn hmm. not getting paid had to pay to park had to pay to eat but these okay. are high caliber restaurants where you can grasp something from them mm-hmm. and you can use it in your own own work oh yeah cool. great right? um and actually one of the bartenders there um i'll name drop him his name was dave collins and uh big burly dude super funny really yeah. lighthearted, and uh-huh. he was a bartender there and he actually got out of it and uh got into management in the hotel. And he was at the bar one time. I think I took my mom out for her birthday dinner. Mm -hmm. Sounds about right. And he was there. He's like, hey, man, I'm looking for an assistant manager. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, Count me in. Let me come in and talk. Because at that point, I was realizing that the grind in the back of the house, I was working two jobs. Yeah. I'd open up a bakery at 3 o'clock in the morning in Stillwater. And then I'd work till 8 o'clock in the morning. And I'd go to work at 10 o'clock and work till 10 o'clock at night and it was too much, right? Yeah, that I sounds mean, like too much. The line cook world at this point was, you know, you had two or three jobs just to live. hmm Oh, so, uh-huh. So yeah. that you, didn't, you weren't swimming in money. Uh-huh. You were just working your ass off to, to survive. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of taking a toll on me. I really loved food. And I really enjoyed it. I had spent... Five years at this point, really fully engulfed in professional line cooking Mm -hmm. and uh, following chefs and working for chefs that I thought would intrigue me and that had something good going on for him. And uh, he gave me the opportunity, interviewed me, and I took off with it. So I was the assistant general manager at a Doubletree hotel in Bloomington, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. which it had 800 rooms, room service, huge banquet space, big conventions. We did Comic-Con out there, and that was nuts. Oh, I got mm. you. Okay, so big events. And uh, yeah. had, I never was served before, never bartended before, never hosted before. Oh. I was the line cook with a good head on his shoulders Gotcha. enjoyed food. Okay. And I'm not going to lie, most line cooks aren't people people. People mm. persons, is that mm. the
0: right way to put it? Persons of people. That's yes. perfect. So
2: they're more secluded. <laughs> Right? Yeah. They don't want to deal with the front of the house. They're in the back of the house for a reason. Yeah. And they're yes. the creepy guy smoking in the alley. 100%. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're crouching behind your low boy cooler. Mm-hmm. shoving a sandwich in your mouth mm-hmm. like a savage.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking to Tattoo Face over here. He's like, also <laughs> a really good, <laughs> <laughs> he's a really good line cook. What are you going to do? 100%.
2: Yeah. Don't judge a book by its cover. And so I took off with that. And uh, I loved it. Got mm-hmm. to wear a suit to work every day. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Level fun. up. Yeah. And I learned a lot. If that gentleman did not give me an opportunity, I wouldn't be where I was now. Awesome. Because what he did is he opened up Pandora's box. Oh, I okay, see. Okay, great, you can make way better money uh-huh. in oh, restaurants yeah. <laughs> than being yeah. a line cook. And you can still have say, actually you kind of have the say in the menu, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I realized that and I got the best of both worlds and it benefited me because I could relate to the line cooks. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd see the new oh, manager yeah. come in and be like, oh, who's this punk? Mm-hmm. Right, wearing a suit, doesn't know anything about it, and they'd find out that I did. I mm-hmm. spent eight, nine years cooking, mm-hmm. and uh, that they I automatically got that respect. Huh. So that that kind of benefited me. I was there for a long time and realized that hotels were money pits. Right, you hotels get so much money,
0: mm-hmm.
2: whether it's the room rates, the the restaurant, the room service, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And I went from there to. Stepping up in the world, I wasn't. I was the AGM there, and then I became the GM of a Renaissance by Marriott hotel, also Minneapolis, who had this awesome indoor skating rink, wedding venues, and and when you're in hotels, you have a banquet department and you have Uh an operations department. And us in the operations was the bar, the restaurant, the room service, Mm -hmm. and uh, I did that for maybe about six months. It was fun. Learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say the director of food and beverage was my favorite person. Okay. Uh, once you get into that executive level of hotels, people tend to, they're fake. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you, you know they're not real. This isn't who they are at home, and they're just prim and proper, and everything's perfect. And Oh, yeah. It kind of vibed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, had an opportunity to move to Nashville. So I packed up my stuff in a couple weeks and moved across the country.
1: Mm-hmm. Thousand
2: miles away into Nashville, Tennessee not knowing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Just left and uh, Actually got on board with this awesome restaurant in downtown Nashville Called distillery and uh, they weren't a distillery. They were just it was comfort food. Okay, and it was we had a private event Space on the second floor mm-hmm. and uh, we'd booked music and you know the owner of that was um He owned a construction Empire Oh so he had all of his tools and resources to build the restaurant oh, and to yeah. keep it afloat, and he had all his worker bees, and they would come in and if something was wrong, boom, they're here, they're mm-hmm. doing it. Whoa. And then the director of operations, you know, we opened up another one in Midtown. Uh, I wasn't really anything a part of that, but um, it was successful. We'd do twenty, thirty thousand dollars a day in business. Whoa! Which, if anybody's in the restaurant world, that's a lot of dough. That's a ton in a day. <clears throat> We'd have a $1, 1500 hundred dollar hours back to back to back all day long so we open up at 11 o'clock balls to the wall mm-hmm. till midnight food's pumping out drinks are pumping out you're on a wait list all day long and people were waiting two three hours to eat jeez it was crazy i'd never been in nashville before i had no idea that that's what nashville was about mm-hmm. and if anybody has been to nashville in the past let's say between 2012 or 13 to mm-hmm. to now it's vegas It's called Nash Vegas for a reason, but Bachelorette Mm. Party, City of America. Wow. So it was wild. Business was there. Every day you had a swarm of two, three hundred people walking in your door. In the city itself, you'd have 10,000 people coming on a day-to-day basis just visiting. They want to listen to music. They want to get food. They want to see the vibe of Nashville. Mm -hmm. And they spend all their money. Yeah. It's crazy. That city's not cheap. Yeah. Yeah. but I was there for a while. I actually quit and uh, was the executive chef of this huge um, honky-tonk uh-huh. downtown. And uh, the day I walked in, I was, I was the white guy. Uh-huh. And the family running it was Guatemalan. Okay. And the head chef at that time had an alcohol problem. Okay. So they hired me and then fired him. Mm-hmm. And then I walked in and everybody walked out the door. Whoa! Oh, in no. the middle of service All mm-hmm. line cooks, dishwashers, everybody Because they're all cousins, brothers and uncles And that's just kind of how it was Oh, gotcha. And uh, mm-hmm. they all walked out
0: I was going to say most, most um, Whether they're legal or illegal from Guatemala They, they come as like a, a family mm-hmm. They're a package deal yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's
2: no shortage of work in Nashville So they just walked next door mm-hmm. Get paid a dollar more anyways Yeah. Jeez. So I had to keep it afloat And I Whoa. poached everybody that I knew Hey, where are you working at right now? I'll pay you a dollar or two more an hour. You need to come help right now. Yeah. And I felt bad about it, but you need to quit your job. <laughs> if you have any pride in this, you need to quit your job and you need to come work for me yeah. currently. And it, it worked on two people. Um, mm-hmm. I hired other people. And we kept it afloat. And my mission was to elevate the food. Mm-hmm. So it went from crappy, pre-frozen, pre-made frozen food from Cisco and U.S. Foods mm-hmm. to almost scratch. I would say about 80, 90% scratch kitchen, but it was huge. We had the storage space for it, we had the prep space for it, we had the business for it, Mm -hmm. Um, and then I changed the whole menu, uh, talked over the owner, and she was stoked about it, and put it into key, and uh, made it happen. Um, I can't say that that was anything but stressful. Yeah. 7 o'clock in the morning till probably midnight? Yeah. They were closed Mondays, Mm -hmm. so I at least had that day off, but that Mm -hmm. day off was still work, Yeah. right? and then there's a couple of places in between. I, I couldn't do it anymore. Mentally could not do it. Mm-hmm. People were quitting. People were flaking out. And a big thing in Tennessee was people were running from child support. So oh. what the trend was is I'd get people to work uh-huh. for three weeks until the government found out where they worked.
0: And then, and then they getting would garnish garnished
2: their checks. Yep. And then they got their check that was garnished. And they said, all right, cool. I'm on to the next one. And they would. Fully run from child support. Mm -hmm. Oh, so the revolving door and that's kind of what it gets into now is the revolving door in the back of the house It never stops It's Mm -hmm. crazy Mm -hmm. So that was too much for me I will fully admit that you know six months there no help no support besides my wife She fully supported me and she gave me every tool to be successful and we'd talk after work and she'd listen to me vent and Mm -hmm. She did a great job, but me personally I couldn't do it It wasn't worth the stress the headache the life that I wanted to live and yeah. at that point, then I realized that this is not an easy job. Yeah. Nothing about restaurants is easy, let alone running the restaurant or having an upper management position in a restaurant because all of the weight is on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And if your team fails, whose fault is it? Yep. It's yours. A leader. Being a leader is when, hard.
0: When did, you, when did you meet your wife? I was waiting for that part to, to come in. Well, um, I
2: hired her as a server. and um, Perfect. <laughs> when she left from the interview, she went home and told her mom that this guy's in love with me
1: <laughs> and I don't I mean this guy's in love with me.
2: that's how it happened 100% Whoa. and uh so I hired her she worked there for a couple months and I did fully fall in love with her mm-hmm. and it was great she's kind of the best person that I've ever met in my entire life where, where were you at when you hired her I hired her at the distillery, and actually okay not funny story but I got fired for it Dang, oh, Which right. is kind of respectful to a, to an extent like the whole quid pro quo Nobody really knows her. Nobody really knows me. They don't want to me give her any favoritism so Yeah, the owner brings me in and he's like you can either stop dating her or mm. step down or You can quit right now and I'll give you three months paid yeah, Okay, cool. Give me three months paid and I walked out the door That's that's what she was to me Nice, so then I left Went and did some other venues, consulted for a couple restaurants in downtown, and uh, mm-hmm. it was fun. Nashville's a fun city um, at that point, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we were there for let's say six years. Okay. And um, it was too much. It was toxic. Nobody had ambitions. Everybody would just drink their money away. Oh or yeah. Do other things with their money, so yeah. they, they didn't have it anymore.
1: They're there for the good time, like everybody yeah. else.
2: Mm-hmm. And me and her, we wanted to have a farm. Yeah, okay. We wanted chickens. We wanted animals. We wanted that life, that homesteading life Mm. that we can work for ourselves. And she was in the industry too, as a server. She'd walk out with loads of money. Yeah. So the money was not in short, but it wasn't happy for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, we both kind of got in dark places and started arguing, and it it wasn't fun. And Mm -hmm. she, and this might be too much, but she, uh, after I had left, she had spoken her mind about one of the servers, mm-hmm. how she was quid pro quoing to the top with the owner. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. And um, she said nothing but the truth and called her out for it, and she got fired for it. Yeah, what's And to rewind a little bit, uh, they had hired me back maybe like a year later to run their sister restaurant, which was right next door. Oh, gosh. And uh, so they fired her for that, for speaking her mind and speaking nothing but the truth. hmm. So I said screw you guys. I'm out. You yeah. can't you're not going to play me twice. I have too much pride in my life And I love my wife too much mm-hmm. to, For you to fire her for just speaking her mind and the truth and I can't say she was overly aggressive about it I don't mm-hmm. think she was
1: hmm
2: she just spoke the truth and people didn't want to admit the truth that this girl was doing things to get her way to the top hmm and um, in front of everybody's eyes. Yeah, you know, so they fired her for it And she'd been there for two plus years gosh, and she was by far, not biased, one of the best servers there. She could grind out any day, mm-hmm. roll things off her shoulder, not let it affect her, and they fired her. So I said, oh. "Screw you guys!" And I was, I was a GM of the restaurant right next door. Oh man! I said, "Screw you! I'm out." Mm-hmm. And uh, we and go so home. What,
0: what what brings you What brings you to Montana? Well,
2: that's right where this all happens. is we go home, we're home for mm-hmm. a couple days, looking for a job, interviewing, um, realizing that it's just. Not the environment that we want to be in. It's too toxic.
1: It's a stressful, toxic environment, and you're met with like the morality of it, too. 100%. You know, you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, are these, why am I making these people rich? Mm-mm. Why, why yeah. am I
2: doing this? Exactly. Why no. am I working for somebody when all the knowledge is in my head? Yeah, you can why, do I it. Why can't I do this myself? Why aren't you an owner? Why aren't you? Yeah, a, yeah go ahead. 100%. 100%. So we, uh, one day, her sister in law lives here. And uh, oh, cool. She's like, hey, do you want to move to Montana? I had not even ever thought about it. I grew up in Minnesota, so the cold didn't scare me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah. We packed up and I don't know, it's about a week and a half and got a 20 foot rider trailer and a truck tow and we jetted across the country and we barely had a place to live Whoa. and got a job lined up as the handyman for a trailer park. Whoa. I don't know. I mean, I'm a handy person for sure. I love building things. I'm, I'm pretty handy. Okay. Um, so I'm I thought that, that would be a, a good option to get out of the restaurant world. And, oh yeah, that's uh, right. So I was the handyman of a trailer park for a little bit. It wasn't too long. Mm-hmm. Right here in Great Falls. Right here in Great Falls. Okay. Yep. Yep. Cool. I did that. And so, a little so bit.
0: her, her sister, mm-hmm. lives in Great Falls. Correct. Okay. So I was, I so was wondering why I was wondering why Great Falls. That's right? it. it. Would be <laughs> typically when people look up Montana, it's it's Bozeman, Missoula, or you're in military, Kalispell. or you're in right. It, you come to Great Falls because you're yeah military or medical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I was really curious as to why Great mm-hmm. Falls, which that is a it. good choice, by the way. I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so her her sister was here. You guys move here. You're managing a trailer park. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, well,
0: maintenance, maintenance, for maintenance, the trailer. man, maintenance. changing
2: locks on doors, fixing mm-hmm. siding, putting up fencing, really easy work. Uh-huh. It wasn't it wasn't anything bad. And then the winter hit, and he's like, "Well, let's talk in the spring." And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm kind of unemployed right now, then. So uh, yeah. I don't remember how it happened, but I got involved in the refinery. Hmm. Somebody I knew, somebody I had met had mentioned that Sleton needed some help in their inspection industry. Uh-huh. So got my OSHA certification and was a what do you want to call it? An ultraviolet tech? Okay. Or an ultrasound tech at the refinery. So we'd measure pipes, we'd measure corrosion. Mm-hmm. and we cruise around climb all these posts and towers and i hate heights and it's dead winter and i bucked it up Mm -hmm. you get you know you get your 40 hours a week in four days so you have the rest of the weekend off to do whatever you want oh yeah i did that for a little bit and it was fun i I didn't hate it Um, it was a group of good guys and then i realized that i can't i can't do this for long i'm scared of heights (laughs) Uh, it's cold (laughs) i feel like they don't really care about your safety as yeah. much as OSHA is involved and safety equipment and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. But for X amount of dollars an hour to risk your life in a place that could explode at any point, mm-hmm. you could fall from any tower at any point, mm-hmm. and it wasn't worth it. Right. And um, then I, I actually got on board with City Brew Coffee. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was the GM of City Brew. Never ran a coffee shop before. Ever. Okay. Um, but I was like, hey, this can't be much different than a restaurant. Yeah. Just no alcohol. Uh-huh. Um, so I did that for, I don't know, maybe nine, ten months. And I hate jumping from job to job. Okay. I, r- I really do, but that's what I was doing. Right. I was trying to find my happy place. Right. Where is it? And uh, I was surrounded by 20, 16-year-old girls. Yeah. I'm 31. Okay. And I realized that your conversation over there, TikTok this, boy drama that. Yeah. Uh, I can only take so much of it. <laughs> I really, I really can't. It's, it's too much. I'm... It's not for me. Mm-hmm. It was fun, though. I learned how to make all the coffees. Right. right? Okay. I figured out what the difference was between a latte and a cappuccino. Now I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you do know I didn't okay. before, right? I'm with you. Uh, and they paid well. It was fun. They had benefits. It was all good and great. Okay. Um, and I wasn't going to leave, but the opportunity popped up to run a bar in Great Falls. Mm-hmm. Um, interviewed, got the job, and then I left City Brew. And then I took over the restaurant in Great Falls, and they had just opened right before COVID. Oh, so they yeah. had bought it in January. Jiminy. Oh, and then I didn't even
0: realize that timing. Yeah, mm-hmm. they bought it
2: in January. They and were then open for two mar- months. By, I was gonna say by March. They were closed for two months, I think. Oh boy, yeah. And then mm-hmm. the old general manager, um, never met the guy. Uh, actually met him once, super cool guy. Um, I- but it was too much for him, and he left. And so there, yeah. you got these two owners that are the greatest people that I've ever worked for, uh, but not restaurant folks, right? Uh, gotcha. They hadn't spent their whole life in restaurants working like I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had their own careers, and they brought me on board, and I was there for two years up until now and uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, Joe's actually been a huge part of Empty Pints as far as live music goes. Um, we did an open mic in the summer, which was great. It was pretty fun. Um, it took off really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, people liked it. I was, I was surprised. And there was no, I remember me and Joe talking earlier. Nobody in Great Falls at this moment was doing an open mic. Right. And he has hosted them before. And he's a great musician. And uh, I don't remember how we met Joe. <sighs> I, was, I was probably just having a beer. You might have been.
1: And we got talking, yeah. And that's what I always talk about with people is music and stuff. Yeah. You, you probably mentioned Nashville,
2: maybe, maybe something like that. And then that kind of took off. And he hosted the open mic, and he played many shows there. And we all had a great time. And, mm-hmm. and he's he's one of the musicians in Great Falls that I would listen to. Hey, thanks, man. Hundred percent, dude. Jeez. I mean, like, coming it's from cool. Nashville, music uh, utopia. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's no shortage of music. No shortage of music. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I kind of saw that that happy place in him, and brought him on and gave him some gigs there, and it was fun. It really was a blast. Um, but that kind of segues into where we are now. Is yeah. I left that restaurant bar a week ago, and
0: it's fresh. I couldn't do it.
2: I couldn't do it. I don't want to blame <clears throat> it on COVID because I think COVID has gotten way too much attention, mm-hmm. um, and we don't have to get into my political idea of COVID. Um, I don't want to get into that necessarily on this, but um, I feel a certain way about it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just the way that the government and bureaucrats have allowed it to fully destroy businesses Mm -hmm. in Great Falls. I mean, how many places have closed in the world because of it, let alone in Montana and Great Falls? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it it throws an extra loop into it. right? And it makes it not fun anymore. Mm -hmm. Right,
0: because like... Like managing a restaurant, bringing in music, uh, hiring and firing employees, keeping keeping like a, a, a well-motivated team. It's hard. Right? It's difficult. And then to add this whole other factor, like this mm-hmm. whole thing is just a whole other lens. You have to look at everything through. And so it's hard. Without COVID, and then you add COVID, and it's just this whole nother stress. You know, like what people are going home to. Maybe their spouse works for a restaurant or uh, a business that's um, failing. Well, either failing or is making uh, vaccinations um, mandatory or whatever it might be. And so you don't even know those stresses at home. um, Schools get closed down randomly. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. with no notice, like that just happens. So you have all
2: these parents that have to homeschool. Right. And then they have to go to work. And then they have to live their life and be happy. And uh-huh. that wasn't happening. Yeah. Luckily, um, right when we moved here, my wife didn't want to work in the industry anymore. And she was dead set in it. And I was like, babe, do what you want to do. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I mean, I, it's a long story how she got involved in it, but she opened up an, her own cleaning business called Rocky Mountain Cleaning Service. Whoa, and cool. she had never done anything like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, startup cost was relatively cheap. And she was booked out a month down the road. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That and was now, a huge need here in Great now Falls. Now she's, yeah, a she's huge need in great fully Falls taken off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She has a waiting list. I mean, her weeks are booked up. Mm-hmm. She doesn't work long hours, but she works hard. Yeah. She yep. works way harder than I ever yep. did. Yeah. Physical labor. And, uh, is no she joke. took off, and it's great. You <laughs> know, the whole referral program in Great Falls has fully led her to success. Mm-hmm. So she gets to work for herself she gets to work her own hours, she gets to Mm -hmm. pick and choose, cherry pick the houses that she wants to clean, and um, she does great. And so I I luckily have that nice mental support, emotional support, and I also have the financial support from her to be able to do what I'm doing now, Uh, and that is, um, I'm getting my real estate license, Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm gonna gonna dabble into that a little bit, and uh, that's pretty consuming as far as the class that you have to take. Mm -hmm. 70 hours 70 hours and then you have to pass that test and then you have to go with a proctor and pass that test and Mm -hmm. Then at the same time A
0: a broker have you figured out what broker you're gonna go with?
2: I don't know if I can say necessarily Um, but yes Um, when I'm done I have a broker that I can go work with okay and um One of my buddies that I met down here is also a real estate agent who he also works for and uh, Uh, he's a great mm -hmm. guy So he's kind of my my mentor okay teacher Sensei per se in real yeah. estate mm-hmm. and to have that crutch. It, it's nice, but it's also a, a Cutthroat industry. Mm-hmm. You're an independent contractor. You're working for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say there's a thousand real estate agents in Great Falls uh-huh. Yeah, there's there's about that many and if you look at the MLS website um, Let's say there's 20 houses 25 houses for sale
0: the huh. least amount that there's ever been in a very yes. long time in Great Falls So, so am,
2: am I really going to get into this industry where? There's really small odds yeah. of even getting a house. And then if you get the house to get it under contract, is probably a whole different animal. Right. You yeah, have people moving here from out of state, whether they're military or in the medical field, or they just want to take Montana and, and live in it uh-huh. because it's the last best place in the, mm-hmm. the country. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere to live. Yeah. Know, the, right. mar- the market's destroyed. I, mean, we- I don't want to say destroyed, but there's too many... People. Yeah, and there's and houses. there's not a lot
0: of people building either, um, with construction costs going up. and then yeah. that yeah. we we aren't like most places in the country. Like we can't really construct right now. No, it's zero degrees outside. Even if you had employees that wanted to work, like digging, yeah, in mm-hmm. frozen ground isn't fun, right? Yeah, hammering a nail right now with a, a building that you know framing. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. imagine framing in mm-hmm. negative twelve with the wind and everything else for eight right. hours? Right, if, right. Not if not more. I was yeah. gonna say eight hours would be a, a low a light day, day for, yeah. Yeah, for construction. <laughs> and, uh, we, we were talking about it on the last podcast. Cause there was a, there's a band in great falls called the dirt wave. Oh yeah. Dirt and, wave. and Joe's yeah. like, the, yeah, it's like the wave of dirt that comes through <laughs> great falls. And like, we, yeah, we just have these windy days. And so we, we kind of like, at least for three months are pretty shut down on being able to do construction. Absolutely. And then it's just like balls to the wall. As soon as like the weather's even an inkling that it's going to come around. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, because of construction costs, there's not a lot of that going on. We got some apartments coming mm-hmm. in, but. The ones that. over by uh, 2J's. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which will house than- a lot of people. Yep. But, but still, like, I, I feel like that's just kind of a temporary solution. Absolutely. Until some houses actually. I don't, but I don't know if where are you any build houses are getting built right now. Yeah. Right? Where are you going to build them? You, you know. got the neighborhood works. Um, they're doing small
2: projects, you know, two, or three houses in, in neighborhoods to improve that demographic. Yep. But two to three houses is not going to do anything.
0: Right. And and all the other areas where Great Falls is expanding are higher end. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go out to like Big Bend or mm-hmm. um, on the way out to Belt, there's that whole kind of subdivision out there. We're yeah. up on Skyline. That's kind of where people are building, but you've got to spend 350 plus. plus. Like that, That's a low end mm-hmm. house. And yeah. people want to move here for... $200,000 houses, right? Like, yep. like that's, yeah. that's where Well, that's, that's, that's a nice for. like
2: income to mortgage ratio. Yep. I mean the income ratio in Great Falls is not high. No, no. I took a $40,000 pay cut moving here. Mm-hmm. 100%, yep. 100%. But I've been the happiest I've ever been.
1: Yeah. It's weird. I mean, you're not going to find um, homesteader prices here anymore. I mm-hmm. mean, there's... Because the, while we do have a lot of wide, wide open places, they're all like 100% owned by some rich, rich cattleman. Or their public land. Or yeah. their public yeah. land. So, I mean... Even, you know, the the houses that are being built by NeighborWorks, you know, they're negotiating with existing landowners like, hey, man, you're not using this. Can we please put three houses here Mm. or one or, you know, we'll we'll make it into a really nice looking middle class um, neighborhood, which they do. Yeah, they do a great job. Their houses are awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you can drive through Great Falls and see some of the old like 10, 20. Thirty-year-old neighborworks na- um, neighborhoods, and mm-hmm. you, you can't even really tell no. that it was neighborworks. Just so um, no, just a nice neighborhood. Yeah, honestly. it's just a nice neighborhood. Um, right calling. behind, we were we were over at uh, Saint Vincent de Paul, Oh and uh-huh. right behind Saint Vincent de Paul, that block right there, they re- re-renovated, mm-hmm. renovated. I'm not sure how are you saying that renovated. renovated anyway, they again. they <laughs> tore down houses and built <laughs> houses there. That was neighborworks, but you'd have no idea. <coughs> cool. But um, the other place that people do build. Um, is out um, bootlegger. You know anything yep. out there? I live out there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bootlegger's great. That was that's our little piece of happiness. And we were living mm. in Great
2: Falls for about a year and a half and uh opportunity came up to uh, move out in Bootlegger. And we fully took advantage of that. You like it. And we love it. Mm. It's windier than hell out there. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's
0: that's the windiest place. If it's
2: forty mile an hour winds, which is average in Great Falls, we have yeah. at least sixty hour sixty yeah. mile an hour winds. Yep. yep. So working outside is it gets kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's cold. Mm-hmm. It's windy. It blows your paper away. It, it blows your OSB plywood away. It, it does whatever it wants. Yeah. Right? Um, but we're going to fully embellish what Bootlegger has to offer for us. And last year, we uh, rented a skid steer and dug up a thousand square foot garden called cool. eight foot game fence. Um, we're going to gear up for that for the spring and, and try to start a little co op and um, get animals, pigs, chickens. Goats, probably get a cow or two, and Mm. live the homestead farm life.
1: So instead of being the table, you want to be the farm in the farm-to-table equation. Yes. I would rather just make friends with animals and commune with the birds out uh, here. We've had
2: chickens a couple times in our life, and chickens are, A, the best pet. Mm, mm -hmm. B, they're not freeloaders. They produce an egg every day.
1: Oh, yeah. That's right. Mm
2: -hmm. Nothing like a farm fresh egg. And fertilizer. Dude. And fertilizer. And then the goats and everything. I think this first year we're going to let everything breed. Okay. And then the next year, you know, we'll start culling part of the, the livestock okay, and butchering it for, and really we're going to keep it for us, mm-hmm. right? Um, just so that we can live sustainably and mm-hmm. efficient and be self-reliant. Um, we, with the vegetables, we might do a co-op sort of thing, get a farmer's market stand and try to get people on board so we can every week, we'll drop off grab vegetables that are fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll bring them to you. You give us X more dollars a month and every week you get fresh vegetables. Mm. Um, so that's our plan in the long run. Is but it going to be?
0: Are you do, are you uh, greenhousing it?
2: We're going to have to do some of that. Yeah. Um, just as far as like our growing season in Montana is short. So yeah. Sure. Without without a greenhouse, you know. like
0: you're mm-hmm. you're pretty limited, especially if you're going to try to do like a monthly subscription. You're going to need. You're going to need it. Yeah. yeah. I, I I met this couple in the the previous job I had. Um, they wanted to get into foster care, and they very very similar actually. It, it's kind of funny how similar hmm. the story is to yours. Yeah. That he worked in restaurants, went to culinary school, came to Montana, and then he's been working for, there's a, I'm not, I'm not being racist by saying this, but it's a, it's an Asian company, Asian owned company, um, called, uh, Oh dang it! I just lost it. They make noodles. Um, It's like Montana something. Oh, oh, over pasta Pasta Montana. Montana. There you go. They named it Pasta Montana, but everybody that owns it is Asian. Like they did a really good job at marketing. That's why I brought up that they're they're Asian. That's Mm. right. But he took his culinary degree. He took the culinary degree there Mm. to help them make noodles. Yeah, and they're really good. If you've ever tried Pasta Montana, they're fantastic noodles. But he had the same thing. He's just like, ah, just don't. I don't want to work for anybody anymore. Mm -hmm. And so they built three greenhouses on in belt. Okay. And are doing like livestock, pigs, chickens, something else. I know we're not the only ones doing this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We (laughs) might be
2: in the early game, which is good for us. Mm -hmm. But But he's not wrong. He's not wrong because restaurants nowadays, we kind of skipped that and we wanted to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But restaurants nowadays coming from somebody that's worked in them for the past 15 years, Mm -hmm. they're nothing like they used to be.
1: Yeah, what's been the overall change in your mind?
2: the overall, overall change in my mind has been people's um, employees and customers and the mm-hmm. consumer mm-hmm. Um, not caring. Okay, like right? so. so hiring staff, I'm not hiring staff that was like me growing up, that cared about food. Mm-hmm. I'm hiring staff that they, they realize they can make really good money, mm-hmm. but they don't have any passion in it. Mm. And that hurts a little bit of my soul every single day is I'm doing this because I love it. I'm not doing yeah. it for the money. Right. Right? You're doing it because of the money and you don't care about it So then that means that you're going to be rude and aggressive to your customers. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be short You're not gonna be empathetic, right. right? I remember working in the hotel like empathy was a huge thing oh, Okay, you have to get on their level. uh uh-huh. right? So if your flight got delayed and you're stuck in this hotel Be empathetic about it, right? Mm-hmm. I understand that you're upset. I understand that this isn't a part of your plan and I'm sorry for it. Mm-hmm. but this is what we can do to make it better because you as a consumer are paying us so that we can keep our lights on, we can keep the doors open, Mm -hmm. and you're also paying the electric bill and the mortgage for all of my employees. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So you should be treated with respect.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and and we, I think we've talked about this before, but good reviews you have to ask for, right? Yes, if like, people are like, happy,
2: they won't say anything. They won't if say anything. Upset, they if will. they're
0: upset, you don't have to ask for a review. And it take they, it with a grain they, of salt. They will review. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, there's so and many. So times. you have to take care of customers, and mm-hmm. if you don't have people that are invested in in and care about it and are passionate about what they're doing, I would say that I've also noticed. Um, the the trend is actually coming the other direction for certain restaurants here in Great Falls, but a lot of it's more about um, atmosphere mm-hmm. and and price, mm-hmm. more than it's about quality and taste and food and where you're getting your products from and what it's made out of and and like actually having a chef, yeah. right? But like people really love. Uh, I don't want to pick on anything, but but I'll pick on Applebee's, right? Yeah. There was a time when I really enjoyed Applebee's when I was younger. Yeah. But now I feel like when I go there I could order this same packaged noodle shrimp thing mm-hmm. and throw it in my microwave the same as they and are. Just as because that's, that's what it'll they're be, doing. It, right. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing is they're they're taking these and and again I'm not going down on Cisco, but they're taking these Cisco pre packaged yep. meals and they're just throwing them in the microwave and, and then selling it to you for the same and price as somebody would a home Yeah. And they're putting from their scratch.
2: name on it. That's <clears> it. Right. That's why I given up. I mean, I. And so it's it's just tough, man. It's rough. And what the consumers don't see, and this is the other side of the battle, is COVID has ramped up prices so much, so
0: much.
1: I so mean, you take if, away even the profit margin. It was already slim before, but that profit yeah. margin is now
2: gone, right. almost. Unless you want to mm-hmm. pay twenty dollars for a burger, yeah, and eight dollars for a beer is which is where it's going,
0: right? Hundred percent. We we uh, we've spent a little bit of time at Mighty Mo. Mm-hmm. I ordered wings a couple weeks ago, Yeah. and they're like, "Hey, the price the price mm-hmm. has gone up." We haven't had time to change our menu, but the prices went up so quick on wings like yep. they're four dollars yep. more a dozen yeah.
2: now. You I, know, I remember buying cases of wings for the restaurant that I ran. Uh, it went from let's say early spring last year, let's say it was eighty bucks a case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like a hundred and eighty nine a case right now for Damn. chicken wings. Jeez, and if
0: that's even if you can even get them. Mm-hmm. Right, I was going to say if you can get them because now, now they're trying to disrupt our our supply chain, and I'm, I have nothing against Canadian truckers and American truckers, but like a supply we'll chain that's already Well, wait till the convoy weekend. in America starts next right. week. Right, yeah. That's what People I'm don't
2: realize that that's going to affect everything. Everything. So, and then the consumers and the customers get mad at you for not having something. It's like, look, let's take a step back for a minute. Let's realize <laughs> that I'm not growing the food. <laughs> yeah, I am right. purchasing the food, and we're cooking it so that you can like it. Mm-hmm. and if we can't get it, that means you can't have it. Don't shoot the messenger, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Like, take a minute, and I will talk to you calm, cool, collected. Mm-hmm. But hey, this isn't my server's fault. This isn't my fault. This isn't the cooks being lazy. This is the fact that we can't get it. Well, I was here last week, and you didn't have it either. Okay, great, yeah. It's stressful right. for us to not have ranch. Yeah. To get buttermilk in this town, it comes in waves. There's times where you can get it, and there's times where you cannot get it. Wow. And I, we I know call that, it Kentucky ketchup, that. but... You can't you you can't get ranch. You can't make it. Yeah, can't do anything. And people lose their minds over ranch. It's like I get it,
0: but ranch is a big condiment in Montana, y'all. Yeah, I mean, I'll take it over ketchup. I I can't stand ketchup. It is
1: Uh. the condiment. So I kind of wanted to like um, describe. I think because I, I can make a, a big similarity, like you said, from, from the military, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and I'll relate it to music too. So, like, in the military, and Brian and I were talking about this, you know, when, when we were active in the military, and especially like just fresh in or just out of boot camp, we looked at the civilian world as yeah. lazy and sloppy and they should all get a haircut because <laughs> right, just right. right then we're all like real motivated. We, sure. and, and boot camp teaches you why. They're, mm-hmm. they're like, well, this is why we shine the stuff and why we iron the stuff. It's called discipline. Yeah, you kind of get into the mode of discipline and self-discipline, and this is the way you can then attack nearly any mission in front of you. Yeah, and I feel like that's what they're teaching you in in culinary school. They're like, 100%. they're like, listen, we know this is hard, but it's. I mean, th- this is a spot that everyone wants. Yeah, there's and we're got- not
2: doing it to be mean. We're doing it to build you up and yeah. to make you successful in there's, your business.
1: There's got to be something that's going to differentiate you. From this other person, and we're gonna tell you right now that it's hard work. It's hard work and showing up and doing it right. Mm -hmm. And so this mentality, key word
2: though, doing it right. Doing it right. Not taking cut corners.
1: But what is right and cutting corners? I am gonna get back to that. All right. Okay. So now, like, so music. Right now, the businesses that we're in. Okay, for me, music. I I, when I decided to, oh, I am gonna go into music the first thing I thought was, well, let's learn the basics. Let's, what are the scales I got to learn? Well, how, how do people stay in rhythm? i go, what, what does it mean to sing in key with my guitar? I'm like, I'm thinking of all these things and I practice them and I, I talked to other people about them and, and I, um, I, fail a bunch of times and people laugh at me and I go through all this hard work and then someone just kind of goes on American Idol and Simon yeah. Cowell says, you know what? You're pretty good. Here's a million dollars. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that you can either have fast food or Applebee's food that you can put right in your own microwave and go boop, boop, boop. And it'll right. s- taste just like the shrimp pasta stuff that you get anywhere else. And, and what, I, and what, I, and what, what is that? You know what I mean? What, why has America, and I think not, not why, I think I know, I mean, because we're really good at encouraging you to relax and encouraging you to do the easy thing. We're mm-hmm. like, hey man, why do all that when you can get straight to success if you just use autotune and use yeah. your iPad and you can make the same music that this Joker's making easy. You don't have to go down all those years of hard roads. Right. That's yeah, a waste of time. You're 18 right now. You should be on TV and, 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 and for a lot of people, we see that work. like We see examples of that working all the time. We're like, oh, that guy's a SoundCloud musician. Oh, that guy just got famous, Justin Bieber got famous on YouTube as a little kid. Yeah. So we're all thinking, well, that's the way to do it. That's the way to success. And there's people like us who are like, well, no nah, man, you gotta like, in order to play that, that solo or make that dish, you gotta cut a thousand carrots the right way and know how to bake those carrot little slices the right way. You got to earn your keep. You got to know how to salt it a little bit, not too much. And and if someone says to you, this this carrot's a little over salty, instead of saying, oh, "Well, who cares? Yeah. Why why are you being so picky?" You could instead say, "Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, re- I really wanted to know that as as empathetic. Feedback's like, huge. I, I want to know how your how your how your taking in my service yeah. I want to know and so that's the most important thing that you could tell me mm-hmm. is your honest feelings about and you have our to take interaction criticism. and being able to take that criticism and I, I used to tell people that's like my superpower I noticed in my first couple of years of doing music like well what is it about you and I'm like I, well I noticed that I take criticism like when people tell me this thing that is not good about me I I don't I mean I take it to heart and yeah. I look at myself in the mirror and I try it out the next day in practice and I go oh maybe they're right yeah. and I improve that thing Thing. but then I tell that person hey I listened to you and I approve that thing come, yeah.
2: come take a listen see that's something that I need to work on taking criticism is not easy for yeah. me I, I do depending on the, the, the scenario and mm-hmm. what's going on but that's a hard pill to swallow for most people myself included it
1: is it's that discipline it's that oral. and then what's your mission You know what I mean? If your mission is to, you know, if your mission is to be successful and Mm -hmm. what does that success mean to you, you know, is success. It's gonna be different for me to you. Mm, That's right. For some people, success means just getting the owner to like you. For sure. However you do it, if the owner likes you and they pay you a little bit more, you're successful. You get the most money. For some people, it's like, well, I want to earn that. I want to learn the trade. I want to go through the levels that would give me the experience. And I want
2: to become the best of the best where I'm at.
1: That's right. And it it occurred to me that when you went from line cook to management, Mm -hmm. just like the Marine Corps or the military, we call them Mustangs. When you go from the enlisted grunt doing the grunt work to the college educated officer or whatever doing the managerial work but those guys that do both mm-hmm. those are mustangs and they get paid a little bit more and they definitely get a lot more um, initial respect yeah. like if a guy's a lieutenant or a captain and I know he's a mustang I go oh this guy went through the same boot camp I went through mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to him just like you come in and go here's how you cook and then those guys go oh this guy's not just a suit yeah. this guy knows yeah. and so you're trying to well how do we describe that to people like what is better about that you know, and I feel like that's what we're doing here on the podcast, or we're hoping to do, mm-hmm. is like, try to like, tell these stories and illuminate, well, what is different? Why, why do we think it's better? And, yeah. and why are people attracted to Montana and that feeling of like, well, maybe this is the last place where that does hold value? You know, sure. it, it feels like that. Like Maybe I can go out there and just start a farm, and if I feed the pigs the way they're supposed to be fed and get them to the right butcher, well, the people are going to notice... That my stuff is better than everyone else's and because of my hard work, I'm I am gonna get a little bit more respect and a better resume
2: Yeah It's all about building yourself hmm and, and, and how you personally want to be built
1: and you get to like take yourself out of that whole rat race of like Does the owner like me
2: mm-hmm.
1: is the owner a drunk now? Yeah. Did the owner now take a liking to the newest person that we just hired For or sure. whatever weird thing that you might come across mm-hmm. the inner office politics Remember those like yeah. who, who cares when you're doing it yourself? And you're just like, look, I have all this to give. And and if I'm not constrained um, by what I think, I don't know what it is. Like if it's society, you know, I can't call it just like just America because it happens all over the world. But this idea that the easiest, quickest thing will be the best thing. So don't worry about hiring a chef. Just go to Walmart, find out what the top 10 things are that people buy in the freezer aisle for the TV dinners and put that on the menu at your restaurant. You're going to have money. Yeah. You know, but are you going to be happy? Probably not. Are you going to feel that satisfaction? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how people like, I I see people do it. They they seem satisfied, but then I don't know when you talk to them. I mean, if you guys have had the same, um, I don't know if you guys have had the same experiences, but when you talk to these rich people that are doing sort of, sort of these like, eh, just, I'm going to grab that money. they, they never seem happy to me. They always seem like they, they well, always they need more drugs or more alcohol or more good times, and they always seem like they're always talking crap about somebody else. They just never seem happy with themselves. Yeah. Even though they have
2: well, money doesn't success. buy happiness for sure. It doesn't. It, it it might be able to help you in a certain way, mm-hmm. but it doesn't fullheartedly buy happiness. No. Yeah. And I realized that moving here, taking that pay cut living somewhere like this. Your happiness went up. Uh, extraordinarily. Mm-hmm. I'm the happiest I've ever been. For sure.
0: So the, the moral of this podcast is move to Great Falls, receive happiness.
1: Receive happiness. Make less, <laughs> work more, be happier. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And maybe maybe not like make less, but just know that you don't deserve probably what you're making right now. Just <laughs> do, you, do you see yourself on Facebook all day? Like when your boss isn't looking? Like they're paying for that.
0: Yep, 100%. Yeah, well, and I think, I think we're probably at a good roll-up point because I thought about this as, as we've been talking. Um, this is probably actually not going to be episode 65. This is going to be a bonus episode. <coughs> Excuse me. It's going to be a bonus episode because um, we're doing a podcast on Sunday, and that one has to come out. Because we're going to have a, a signature burger. I oh, haven't, haven't really told people about this yet. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and so this podcast is probably going to come out on a Tuesday, not this Tuesday, next Tuesday. Extra think. podcast. Yeah. And so this will be a bonus episode. And, uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna be at Roadhouse Diner. They're making us this awesome. like Montana burger. Because when we were when we were talking earlier, I didn't want to sidetrack from what we were saying, but like Roadhouse isn't running into problems with getting stuff in, okay? Mm-hmm. Because every th- all their beef comes from McCafferty, which is in Belt. Yeah, their potatoes come from Manhattan, Montana. Well, there's mm-hmm. no shortage they're, in beef in Montana. There's true, right? Um, actually, that was one of our trivia questions: is uh, cows outnumber? People two point four to one mm-hmm. in, in Montana, and so yeah. Anyway, they they don't run out of things because they get it all from like right here. They could actually go drive and pick up their potatoes if yeah. you know a trucker isn't going to pick 100%. them up for them. Um, and so there's there's a lot of places in Great Falls doing that where they're saying no, we're gonna we're gonna get things local. And I think if if COVID's gonna have a benefit, it's gonna be that mm-hmm. that I hope we go back to a, a American. Merchandising, American industry, um, at least Montana. American. You know, m- yeah. Making their own things.
1: Yeah, especially local music. So important, you know, just for the soul of the community.
0: And just, no more K- well, No local more podcasts, too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. sure no, no more K pop. Yeah. Yeah. You got you to <laughs> listen to uh, Montana Pod, not K pop.
1: That's right. Give me some time to learn some of that K pop. It sounds weird on acoustics. So <laughs> I'd imagine. Yeah. And so, so there's
0: a chance this comes out tomorrow. Today is President's Day. Correct. Um, The 21st. Happy President's Day. Happy President's Day, everyone. And then uh, uh, this might come out tomorrow. We'll we'll talk about it after. Call it a President's
1: Day bonus if
2: you want. And if not, it's no, another day's it's, bonus. It's
0: something to do with the the saw that was going on for the first hey, 20 minutes. Hey, they stopped minutes. like an they hour stopped. ago,
2: and I didn't even realize that till just right now.
0: Oh, no. I I realized. I was like, oh, we were going to pause for a minute and just like go through it, but then um, he stopped. And he stopped, so we're good. Uh, we, we thank all of you for listening. Um, look in the the show notes if you want to connect with uh, Travis and, and uh, just do what he's doing. We're going to have his uh, social media stuff down there. You can connect with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, also look down there for apple fuel and absolute aid uh, get discounts using the codes that are down below we love any time that you guys are going to review us uh, leave us a review on apple podcast and one thing we haven't talked about i put a little thing on our social media but you can actually review on spotify now sweet and sean welty uh, uh was the one that told me about it and ah, so just cool. you, you, you can't even write anything Just. Click five stars. That's all you have to do. And look on our Instagram if you want to know how to do it. There's a little teeny video there that shows you how, mm-hmm. where to click, and how to do it. Um, we, we appreciate any any of that stuff. Uh, we have trivia night going on on Tuesdays. Uh, come out to the Mo from 6 to 8. See Joe and I. We've put a lot of work into this. Oh, so much. So much work into this because uh, <laughs> we just want to be part of this community we want to help it grow. And then uh, along the same lines, we're going to help the podcast grow.
1: Yeah. Please like us. Just just like <laughs> it. Like, like embrace us. Yeah. Okay? That's what we were asking, basically.
0: And then lastly, the last thing I'm going to see down in the show notes is if you'd like to advertise on uh, The Last Best Conversation, just email uh, Joe or myself. And uh, this week, we're putting a price list together. So we'll have all that information for you.
1: Price list will be available. Ding, ding.
0: Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks, Travis. This has been fun. You're welcome. It was right, fun. Cool. Right and on. then, and then the way we're going to close out is, I'm going to say, "I've been Brian." You're going to say, "I've been Travis." I've
1: been Travis. Yeah. And then I'll say, "I've been Joe." And then, and
0: then we'll all go. together we're going to say, See, "See you next, you next show." show. I okay. Missed that one. <laughs> See you next show. See you next show. Folks. See, See you next, next show. show. And we're going to do it all at the same time. you
1: will be gonna, a conductor.
0: Yeah. 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 You just watch. Yeah. You got to go yeah, on. Yeah. You'll. Yeah, you got to go on. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, everyone. I've been Brian. Thanks. I've been Travis. I've been Joe. We'll, we'll see, see you, in you next, next show. show.